This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. A Minnesota police officer framed 30 people for crimes they didn't commit and then framed some teenagers for a separate crime. The scam is now well documented. The question is, can she be sued for violating the rights of the young people involved? The wrinkle that may ultimately make the cop bulletproof, she's a deputized federal agent. Patrick Giacomo, an attorney at the Institute for Justice, is on the case. We spoke last week. You and I have spoken a number of times about task forces, and I think you've described this as not quite qualified immunity on steroids. Maybe you have used that phrase, but give us a sense of the the general difficulty that uh, regular folks have trying to hold accountable officers who have violated their rights, these officers who are a part of task forces. Yeah. So I'm just calling this task force immunity at this point, because it really is this sort of either, depending on how you look at it, this Midas touch of federal immunity or a kiss of death for the constitution. Um, and so the way that this works is regular state and local officials, there is a statute that allows you to sue them if they violate your constitutional rights. That is subject to the doctrine of qualified immunity, which we've talked about a ton, and and rightfully so, because it's terrible. But when it comes to suing federal officers, there's no similar statute. And so the Supreme Court, in a decision recently, has, has said that the ability to do that is all but gone. And so federal officers effectively have absolute immunity. And the way that this manifests as task force immunity is, over the last 50 years or so, the use of state federal task forces has expanded from essentially zero to more than a 1,000 task forces that are staffed with anywhere from five to 20 uh, state, local, and federal officers. And once state and local officers are joined onto these task forces, the courts have reflexively treated them just as if they were federal officers. And so they don't just get qualified immunity, they get this absolute federal immunity. And in so doing, they essentially overwrite the fact that Congress has created a cause of action under a statute called Section 1983 when, when state and local officers violate your constitutional rights. So even if every state in the union decided, much like uh, you know Colorado and New Mexico, I believe in New York City, uh, to get rid of qualified immunity, allow people to file suit against these officers individually for the specific violations of their rights, we still have this other thing to contend with. Right. And, and that's something that local officials clearly don't understand. Once their officers are made members of these task forces, they're essentially hands off. And that doesn't just mean for immunity purposes. It also means if the task force member does something so egregious that local prosecutors want to charge him with a crime, they cannot do that unless they're federal prosecutors. So tell me about this story in St. Paul. Yeah, so this is a crazy story that perfectly exemplifies the sort of problems that can be created by a single person who has twice the authority of a normal police officer and none of the accountability. And that person here is named Heather Waker. She is a St. Paul police officer. And about 10 years ago, she was working as a member of an FBI task force. And she put together what the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals would later call a fictitious story alleging that about 30 Somali immigrants were involved in this big sex trafficking conspiracy. She convinced U.S. attorneys in Tennessee to indict about 30 people. Every single one of them was acquitted, which is really shocking because the DOJ's conviction rate is over 99 percent. 
And the DOJ actually appealed some of those acquittals and said that they were wrongly acquitted by the judge in the lower court. And that's when the Sixth Circuit pointed out that Heather Waker had been lying and manipulating witnesses to to create this whole story that would have broken some big new ground in her career and presumably for the St. Paul Police Department. But actually, um, it was it was all made up. And so that's the background of what what happened here. Now, our client, Ifr Yassin, she had nothing to do with the underlying case. Her and two of her friends just happened to be unlucky enough to be attacked by a girl named uh, named Huma, who it turned out none of these girls realized was working with Waker in that other case. And Ifr called 911 while the other girl ran away and called Heather Waker to get her out of trouble. Heather Waker then called officers on the scene and had them arrest not the girl who had attacked uh, Ifra with a knife, but Ifra and her friends and lied and said that Ifra and her friends had been tampering with a federal witness. As a result of all this, uh, Ifra and her friends spent two years in federal custody before one of them had charges dismissed against her and the other two were acquitted by a jury. Two years in federal custody? What does that look like? Well, for two of the girls, it actually meant two years in federal prison, in mostly in Tennessee. They were moved around quite a bit. Ifra spent most of that time uh, on house arrest or in halfway houses. But in any case, these, this disrupted these, these girls' lives who at the time were in high school and uh, none of whom graduated because of this. So what, would, what are you asking the court to do here? The case that Ifra has now before the U.S. Supreme Court is asking the court to simply allow Ifra to sue Heather Waker as a state officer under Section 1983. That statute provides a cause of action if you act under color of state law. And our argument is pretty simple. Heather Waker was and still is a St. Paul police officer. Therefore, when she did this and what she did was interfere in a Minneapolis uh, criminal investigation and have these girls arrested by Minneapolis police officers, that violated their rights and, he- and Heather Waker was acting under color of state law. The, 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 the cruel twist here is that when one of the girls uh, whose name is Hamdi Muhammad's case went to the Eighth Circuit, they threw it out because Hamdi was trying to pursue Waker as a federal officer. And the Eighth Circuit said, you can't do that. But it also went out of the way to say, well, our decision's not so bad here because you might be able to sue her as a state officer. Meanwhile, Ifra's case was ongoing and it made its way up to the same court in a decision written by the same judge. He said, oh, actually, you can't sue her under state, uh, under state authority either. So she simply cannot be sued. Uh, and, and, and what makes this case even more egregious for the discussion of immunities is that Heather Waker had actually been denied qualified immunity. So what she did was so bad that the court said, yeah, you can't have qualified immunity for framing someone to protect your sham investigation. But then went on to say, uh, unfortunately, you simply cannot sue Heather Waker as a federal officer. And because she was on a federal task force, you cannot sue her as a state officer. And so we're asking the U.S. Supreme Court to take up the case and address that latter point. Um, If you work for a state police department like the St. Paul police, you're acting under color of state law uh, when you exercise your authority and you should be liable just like Congress intended. Can you give us a sense of how many of these federal officers, these that are deputized by some federal law enforcement agency? So there is no actual centralized number. This is something that really hasn't even gained much attention, um, except for in the last few years when we started litigating these issues. But the number is obviously in the thousands, probably tens of thousands and maybe even hundreds of thousands because these task forces are used as a force multiplier by the federal government. So it will send out a task force in some place like Grand Rapids, Michigan, not a huge metropolis. 
And that task force might have two FBI agents, but then it'll have 10 or more local police or sheriffs or state police. And so with this extension of immunity, you take two federal officers and you effectively turn them into 20. So state lawmakers, people who want to have the police forces that are paid for with local taxes, uh, police forces that are ought to be under the control of mayors, county officials, state officials, uh, by allowing these officers to sign on with the feds, effectively lose a great deal of their ability to exert any control over these uh, federal federal officers. That's right. In every instance that I've seen, uh, when something goes wrong with one of these task forces and the local officials want to do something about it, uh, the courthouses have uniformly said, no, you can't prosecute this person. You can't bring charges against this person because of the supremacy clause. This is now out of your hands and in federal jurisdiction. Um, and so you should have thought of this before you let those officers join that task force. You're asking the court to do something fairly simple. Allow for a lawsuit against an individual who's clearly violated someone's rights to move forward. Uh, the Supreme Court has given precious little indication that they are interested in revisiting in a, in a, in a wholesale manner the doctrine of qualified immunity. It's right. not really a question, I guess, but if you don't mind, address that. Yeah, so this this case actually gives the court the opportunity to not have to address qualified immunity, and it can go back to the much more foundational question of whether the courts across the country need to actually uphold the congressional intent behind Section 1983, which is to create liability when someone violates your rights under color of state law. And that's especially highlighted here because the reason that the Supreme Court has so restricted claims against federal officers is because they've pointed out that there's no statute by Congress that allows you to sue them. And so our argument here is very simple. Congress has provided a statute in this case. And when someone wields this dual federal and state authority, they should still be liable because the language of that statute says you're liable if you acted under color of state law, not primarily under color of state law, not exclusively under color of state law, under color of state law at all. And if Heather Waker were not a St. Paul police officer, she would have never been a member of this task force or in the position to intercede in the Minneapolis police investigation to have Ephra and her friends arrested and thrown in jail for two years. Patrick Giacomo is an attorney at the Institute for Justice. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 